Go to overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash online therapy to get 20% off your first month of cognitive behavioral therapy with weekly sessions online with a therapist in addition to worksheets, a journal, meditation and yoga videos and unlimited messaging. There's strong evidence that CBT can help people who hoard and accessing therapy online can be affordable and accessible. Find out more and get your discount at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash online therapy. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Overcome Compulsive Hoarding with That Hoarder podcast. I am drowning in stuff and trying to find a way out. Listen as I explore the issues and delve deep as somebody profoundly affected by hoarding disorder. Find out more, including links to subscribe to the podcast and all of my social media at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk. Finally, I am not a doctor. I am just a hoarder doing her best. So do seek professional support if and when you need it. Hey, how are you? I am in a lot less pain than last week, which is very welcome. And so I am quite cheerful and I had a nice Easter with friends. Today, I am going to talk about papering over the cracks and how we can busy ourselves with tiny tasks that get us nowhere and ignore the big work that needs to be done. I'm also going to share a listener's secret and I have a great top tip for you at the end. So, papering over the cracks. Last night, I had one of those realizations that I've been aware of for a while, but it just really hit me. I have like a tray of like pots that my medication goes in. And this for a while has been balanced on a pile of who knows what. And it regularly slides off the pile in what I call a landslide. And 
I have to put it back on, check none of the pots have opened, and I've got pills on the floor. And last night, the my medication tray slid off the pile, and I started like flattening the pile, going, how can I make this pile so that the meds don't slip off? And it struck me that what I needed to do was get rid of the pile. And it seems obvious, but I spend so much time and energy papering over the cracks in that kind of way, where instead of fixing the problem, I make it marginally better temporarily. And I want to talk about that in today's episode because it holds us back. And I know, I know from messages I get from you all that it's definitely not just me. When we paper over the cracks, what we do is is we focus on trivial activities rather than things that will change fundamentally. It is activity that is futile. That's the whole point of like the saying. If you have a crack in your wall and you just put new wallpaper up, it doesn't fix whatever structural problem you have with your house. It just makes it look a little bit better. It is a way of ignoring or not seeing or being in denial about the scale of the problem and instead doing something futile to keep your life moving. And I do this in terms of hoarding in a lot of ways. I have had a light bulb that's been out of action for months and months and months. And because I couldn't change it because there was stuff underneath it and it wasn't safe to balance on the stuff or balance a chair on the stuff to stand on the chair. It was obviously a massive safety risk. And so I spent months trying to work out the perfect combination of lamps to light that space in my house and trying to like angle the lamps in the right way so that the space was lit. And I did this for ages and only really recently actually just cleared the space underneath so that I could put a light bulb in the ceiling. And now I have a light and it is so much easier than an array of lamps. Similarly, like I need to clear stuff out. And what I do instead is I put them in a system of bags and boxes. And when we do this, we busy ourselves with these papering tasks and time we spend on moving things around or adapting, if we just spent that time initially on fixing the bigger problem, fixing the pile that the medication is balanced on, fixing the pile underneath the light bulb, fixing the stuff so that we don't need to put it in a system of containers, That might be a bigger task, but once it's done, it's kind of done. Whereas rebalancing the medications on the pile, rearranging the lamps to get them perfect, that 
is an ongoing task that we're never satisfied with because we're not fixing the problem. And we, we use up our time and energy and creative resources trying to come up with these weird solutions. When if we just fixed the underlying core problem, we wouldn't have to. And it's hard to address this stuff because we don't want to face up to how things really are. It's hard to face up to the truth about our homes, which sounds weird probably to an outsider listening who thinks, how can you not face up to it when you live in it? But I think a lot of us have a degree of denial or a degree of just not seeing the problem. Like, there are things we all do, hoarders or not, that we do without thinking. Because if we lived lives where we had to intricately think through every single thing we did, we we would we wouldn't get anywhere. If we had to think through the process of making a cup of tea every time we made a cup of tea, we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to function if we had to work out how to lock and unlock our front door every time we wouldn't function. So we do a lot of things on autopilot just to get through the day because, you know, they're familiar, we just do them. And that gives us the mental space to give close attention to the things that need close attention. When we have a piece of work to do or when a friend is in distress and we want to give them all of our energy and that kind of thing. And so we all live certain areas of our life on autopilot. And if you hoard, I think part of that is not noticing that pile that you always step over or not noticing that the place you keep your keys has keys from your last six homes and and a screwdriver and an empty carton of milk and 18 shopping bags. We live in it and we don't always pay attention to what surrounds us. And while that is good in the sense that we have to live certain areas of our life on autopilot, it is bad in that we can stop seeing how bad things are in our homes. One of my early episodes was about kind of looking at your home, but not seeing it. And one of the solutions I proposed to that is taking photos of your home, because there's something about seeing a photo that really makes the mess stand out. Another way to do it is to walk through your home and try and see it through fresh eyes. Walk through your home as if you're a visitor and see what it looks like. And trying to cultivate that kind of awareness of how we're living can, I think, be a good first step when we're trying to notice how we live in order to try and put things in place to improve our situation. We don't want to, we don't want to look at the fact that we've been doing it all wrong. (laughs) We don't want to look at the fact that living like this is really destructive to ourselves and other people. 
yet we have to address that because because living in that degree of denial is not helping anybody. I think one of the appeals of papering over the cracks is it lets you defer the more difficult stuff. If you can just re-flatten this pile so that you can put the medication on top again, you don't have to deal with whatever difficult things may be in the pile below it that you haven't looked at for three years. It is a way of kicking the can down the road a bit. You're doing a proxy thing. Rather than doing the thing that needs to be done, you're doing something in its place. So I think an important thing to try is to recognise when you're doing that. Try and spot that in yourself. Because if you can do those two things, that is recognise how you live and recognise when you're deferring a task by papering over the cracks. I think when you have more awareness of both of those things, you're in a much better position to start trying to address it. And then when you're in a position and you think, right, instead of reordering the lamps, I'm going to clear the pile so that I can change the light bulb. That is a really good time to start questioning whatever assumptions have got you into this place and into this position in the first place. This is a really ingrained problem. By the time you live in a hoarded home, this is not something fleeting. This is something that has probably been building in your psyche and in your physical home for a really long time. And built into that will be a lot of assumptions about who I am, what my stuff means, how I live, how I go about things, what is important, what I need to consider. All of that gets really intermingled and messy. And if you can start to question that, that also puts you in a really good position to then question the stuff in the pile and whether it strictly needs to be kept. And I would say a lot of the papering over the cracks we do is pretty creative. My whole system of lamps, when my light bulb wasn't working, it felt at times like, you know, in the movies, when there's an art gallery and it's got like lasers pointing in every direction to to protect the painting... I felt a bit like that. And if I could apply that degree of creativity to my de-hoarding instead of to adapting to a hoarded home, that could be life-changing, couldn't it? I mean, just think what I could achieve in my home if I was that creative with setting up processes that would help me move forward or with setting up processes that would help me get things out of the house. Because ultimately, what we are trying to do is address the root cause of our problems rather than mess about with tiny details that don't matter. And to do that, we also have to look at where we feel helpless. Now, 
Helpless is a strong word and it's one I generally, I try to resist thinking of myself as helpless. I like to think that I have power and agency and control and I do. And yet in the face of my horde, I do often feel helpless. I look at my home and I think this is just impossible. It is just too hard. I do not know how to address this. And there is helplessness in that. It's like me versus Goliath. And that's an uncomfortable place to be. But it's also very familiar because it's how I felt about my hoarded home for a really long time. And so I think addressing papering over the cracks involves addressing that feeling of helplessness. And part of what I'm doing with that is looking at some of what I learned in CBT around addressing overwhelm, because I think it's a similar kind of place in my brain, feeling helpless in reaction to the scale of things is quite similar to feeling overwhelmed by the scale of things. And so I'm trying to do the things that I know help me with overwhelm, which is break it down into smaller pieces, which is not say, okay, you now have to dehoard your entire home, or even to say, I'm now going to dehoard my entire bedroom. Really like this little bit of my bedroom I'm going to work on. And marking success when I have it, however small it may look to other people, also feels like a good tactic in the face of helplessness. Because if I can mark when I do well, that reassures me that I do have some power and agency in this situation. Denial too, that's a harder one to address because by its nature, if you're in denial, you're not trying to address it because that would involve not being in denial. It's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. But even just things like listening to this podcast, reading books about hoarding, that can all start to kind of gently start making its way through that protective armour of denial into your subconscious in a way that can help you to start just opening up slightly to the idea of your hoarding. I read that in certain forms of therapy, a way that therapists try and get people to face facts they don't want to face, rather than talking about the the fact they don't want to face, they start talking about the feelings around it. And that is, and it is through accessing those feelings that people start to access the reality that they are trying to deny. So any kind of conversations about how you're feeling about your emotions can be really useful. I read a quote, um, a comedian called Henny Youngman, who apparently said, when I read about the evils of drinking, I gave up reading. And I think when you resort to denial, when we all resort to denial, it 
is almost like magical thinking. It's like putting your fingers in your ears and saying, it's not there, it's not happening, it's not real. And breaking through that, I think it's more likely to be a gradual process than a big, dramatic thunderbolt process. But trying to keep yourself accountable is important. And if you can build in systems, even if you feel like you're not fully aware of of your situation or you're not fully ready to address it, you can still start putting things in place and start thinking creatively and start learning more about hoarding and the thinking and behaviours and feelings associated with it. And that can all do a little bit to melt some of that protective armour away. And just stepping back once in a while can be so useful. Stepping back and appraising your situation. When I had that thunderbolt last night, when I was trying to balance the medication tray on the pile, it was through the frustration I felt that I stepped back and saw the situation for what it was. It was only because I was so like, oh, for goodness sake, how often do I have to fix this? That I pushed myself into, okay, what can I do? Because this is really annoying me. And I stepped back mentally and thought, of course, the tray slides off the pile all the time because the pile does not have a flat top (laughs) and things slide off things that don't have a flat top. And much as I try and re-flatten the pile every time this happens, this is going to keep happening. And I took a step back and realised that the problem was the pile, not how flat the top of the pile was. And I immediately started looking what was in the pile. That was the place I started. It's one of those piles that's been around for so long, I don't know what's in it. And that can start intimidating me. I start to worry, what is in it? What will I come across? I was a bit like that with the kitchen cupboards that had become such a block that I was almost scared to open them. I was convinced they'd be full of spiders and they weren't. And so my first step with this pile last night was like, okay, I see that there are bags. I'm going to just pick up a couple of these bags and just have a quick look to see what's inside them. And that, while it doesn't sound like massive progress, I knew, especially with the kitchen cupboards being fixed so recently, I knew that if I was a bit anxious about what I would find, that the first step had to be just have a quick look and see what's in there. And now I don't feel so intimidated by the prospect of going into that pile because I know roughly what's in the top three bags. I was reading an article the other day about homelessness, not related to this podcast at all, but it had a phrase in it that I really liked. And that was, build better systems as well as better lifeboats. And that feels to me like the core of what we need to be doing. I feel like the light lifeboats are the things we do day to day to get through and we need them. My system of bags 
in the kitchen when I couldn't sort out my cupboards. That was a lifeboat. It was not ideal. It was not perfect, but it got me through. And I, I'm quite good at lifeboats now, I think. What I'm not good at or what I'm improving at, let's be positive, or what I'm trying to improve at is the first half, which is actually more important, build better systems. I'm not great at that. And I'm really trying to learn because I feel like the systems is having cupboards you can use and a vague idea of maybe the things with the closest use by dates are at the front of the cupboard, or maybe all the pasta is together. Maybe when you get new food shopping, there's a system for how you sort that out so that it doesn't end up in a bag indefinitely. So build better systems as well as better lifeboats. I feel like may have to be my new de-hoarding motto. And part of that is prioritising work out what your objectives are. When I interviewed Leslie Spellman from Declutter Hub a few weeks ago, she was talking about how it works so much better when a professional organiser works with somebody who hoards on what their priorities are, the hoarder's priorities, rather than the priorities of the hoarder's mum or son or social worker. Because if that person isn't particularly bothered about the state of their bathroom, then focusing on that room to start with will be counterproductive and they won't be motivated and it will be difficult. Whereas if they have their own priorities, even if they're not what somebody else would have chosen, that provides some motivation and kind of eases the process. And so if you work out your own priorities, then you can start there with addressing the lack of systems and addressing the core root problems rather than just creating endless lifeboats. And I think where I want to conclude this is a reminder I need and you may well need. This the way we live, hoarding, living in a hoarded home, all of this. There is nothing inevitable about it. This is not the way we have to live forever. This is not our destiny. And it can feel like it. That helplessness thing is strong. It can feel like we're fighting a losing battle. It can feel like we've lived like this for so long that this is just how we live. This is just how my house is. This is, you know, when I go into such and such a room, I have to step over a box. That's just how it is. It's inevitable. But the truth is, it's not inevitable. This is not inevitable. This is not our destiny. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So I ask listeners from time to time to send me their hoarding secrets. And some of you do. And I love that you're trusting me with your secrets, especially because whenever I ask, I point out that this is to talk about on the podcast. And somebody has sent me this secret and I want to read it and respond to it. So it says, New listener here. I've been listening to your podcast for a few days now, and I really appreciate each and every episode. I've been struggling with this ever since I was a kid. I remember my room being full of stuff with narrow pathways leading from my door, which had just barely enough space to fit through, to my bed and my desk. My parents would always joke that I was just messy, and I was so afraid to tell them that I needed help because I felt like I was the only one like this, and that things would change when I got older and had my own place. I would avoid hanging out with friends, because I would try to set that time as a reward for when my room was clean and perfect. But instead, it would just be me spending my weekends moving things around my room for years. I definitely feel like I missed out on key moments in my childhood because of this, When I moved out for the first time and started living with roommates, it just got worse because my things began to accumulate into shared spaces and my car too. I've lost friendships, roommates, jobs and partners because I continued that reward system to try and clean my space and the whole apartment and just couldn't seem to let go of anything or leave the house. I felt guilty for living with roommates who had to live with me and avoided having friends come visit. Recently, one of my friends from work confided in me that she's the same. And over the past year, we've been helping each other downsize. It made me feel less alone to have someone to talk to who was going through the same thing without feeling judged or shamed. With her help, over this past year, I was able to reduce down everything in my apartment. Bedroom, kitchen, garage, bathroom and car. To three Toyota Prius-sized drives and move across the country with my partner, a 10-hour drive away. I've been here now about a month and I'm really proud of the progress I've made. My partner knows and is very supportive of me. We've been coming up with systems that work for both of us 
to keep our apartment as tidy as two people with ADHD comfortably can. Not pristinely perfect, and that's okay. And I am really grateful to have him in my life. This is the first time I don't have narrow trails leading from my bedroom door to my bed, and I feel like I can go out and not feel guilty about hanging out with friends because I know I'm coming home to a clean apartment. Secretly, though, I just feel more open being able to talk with my friend who knows exactly what it's like, and I miss her a lot. A part of me is worried about going back to the habits I had all my life without her invaluable support. So thank you for that. First of all, amazing progress. That is incredible. I'm so glad you found that friend and that you were both able to support each other with this really difficult issue. I can totally understand why having a friend with the same problem is a lot easier to talk to than somebody like your partner who is very supportive, but doesn't probably quite get it. Through no fault of his own, it's a difficult thing to get, I think, for a lot of people. So, first of all, massive congratulations on that progress. I think the thing about not letting yourself see your friends when you were a child because you were saving that as a reward for a tidy room and then your room was never tidy. That's, it's such, it made me really sad. I get why you did it. And it sounds like it was kind of meant to be a motivation, but ended up being almost a kind of self-punishment because it wasn't working. It didn't get you a clean and tidy bedroom, but you still stuck to it, maybe due to some sense of not deserving any better. And that is that's sad. It's hard. And, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you were so limited by this. It's such a limiting condition whether it's, as you say, having friends around or whether it's not letting yourself do things, it's really, really difficult. I think you've moved 10 hours away from your friend and I get that that's a big wrench for both of you, no doubt. I think the one thing I would say is that these days, moving 10 hours away from someone is not the automatic cutoff that it used to be. You're not going to be going for lunch with, with her. I think it was a woman. Yeah. You're not going, going to be going for lunch with her, but there is Zoom and Skype and Google Meets and even Microsoft Teams, which I detest, but it's an option. And you can still offer each other both emotional support, like talking about it, but also some kind of like body doubling where you dial in on a Zoom call and you spend an hour or two hours kind of having a chat, but also just getting on with some decluttering or tidying or organizing 
while you're in, while you're together in a Zoom call, even if you're 10 hours apart. I think I, I've never done that with de-hoarding. I think I'm too self-conscious about the de-hoarding, but this is somebody you already have that trust and relationship with. But I have done it with work sometimes, um, when working from home, do a kind of body doubling where somebody else is on Zoom and we're both just getting on with our work, but knowing someone is there keeps us motivated. I really think looking into something like that with this friend, I suspect will really benefit both of you in the long term. But mostly, thank you for trusting me with your secret. You've, you're doing so well. And that doesn't mean everything has to be perfect from now on. But it sounds like you, you're coming up with solutions. You're building systems rather than just relying on lifeboats. And I'm, I'm really pleased for you. And if somebody is listening and wants to share your secret, you can do so at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash secret. Do you want to be a de-hoarding darling? You can be now at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash darling. If you love the podcast and want a bit extra, you can finally sign up to subscribe. Members will get an exclusive monthly post with an additional top tip, some podcast and music recommendations, and a personal update from me about how things are going. Find out the full details at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash darling. So my top tip this week is a mini clip from the Unstuffed podcast, and she is talking about momentum in decluttering. Have a listen. And I think of it like the scene in Pirates of the Caribbean, right? If you haven't seen it, there's this scene where the pirates, they want to like, they're in like a chase, they're sailing the Black Pearl, and they start chucking any non-essentials overboard, like cannons and powder kegs and they toss some comical stuff too. I'm sure I can't quite remember, but they start throwing all of this stuff overboard in order to speed up their momentum so that they can go faster. And this is how I think about the decluttering process, getting rid of dead weight to help you speed toward where you want to actually go. Cause you're never going to be able to go backwards. None of us are going backwards unless they figure out time travel, right? <laughs> I, you know, but I even encourage you to like maybe think of it that way as like a hero's journey. If you have this desire for a different future, really use that momentum. There have been times in my life when I'm feeling down or when I'm struggling where I legit turn on the Pirates of the Caribbean music. Not necessarily while I'm decluttering, but I highly recommend you give that a try because I bet you it would really psych you up and make you feel like this badass heroic person that that you really are. There is so much power to like a good theme song. I really like that. What would your theme song be? Tell me. All right. Thank you for listening. And I will speak to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Overcome Compulsive Hoarding with That Hoarder podcast. You can find more online at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk. You can find me on Twitter at That Hoarder 
and on Facebook at Overcome Compulsive Hoarding with That Hoarder. To find out more about how you can support the podcast and the overall project, go to overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash support and do subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Getting professional support as a hoarder can make all the difference. Having somebody on your side who can help you to learn about yourself and make progress in your home is invaluable, but finding an affordable therapist can be a nightmare. Accessing therapy online gives you the option to find the right person who doesn't even have to be in the same country as you, never mind the same town or city. OnlineTherapy.com offers a weekly live session with a CBT therapist for individuals or couples. It offers unlimited messaging, worksheets, a journal, and even yoga and meditation videos to help you cope. I have a special link for you that will get you a discount at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash online therapy. As you know, I've had CBT, and two years later, I still use the realizations I had about myself as well as the skills I learned. Listeners tell me that you've started to use some of the skills I've shared on this podcast. CBT is a therapy with a broad evidence base that is widely used for a range of mental health difficulties, including hoarding. OnlineTherapy.com specializes in CBT, and if you're not happy with your therapist, you can change to a new one with the click of a button, and prices start at $40 a week which, if you've seen a therapist before, you'll know is incredibly cost-effective. What's more, if you use my link, you can get a whopping 20% off your first month. So sign up at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash online therapy and get 20% off your first month with your new online CBT therapist.